Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack. And as usual, I have the ADD Mind. It's just the way I was born, folks. I can't help it. And it seems to be getting worse the older I get. But moving on, as is traditional with my podcast, I have a guest on today. And I'm quite excited to have Kaylee on. She is a marketing whiz. And she started her business at what turned out to be a slightly not maybe good time for the rest of the world. And that was a few months before a major world pandemic started. <laughs> and we are going to talk about the, the challenges of not only starting a new business, because I'm sure most people are aware that new businesses, when you start, it takes a good year to get off the ground, but having to get off the ground and then this other stuff is a slightly bigger challenge. So Welcome, Kaylee. Tell us about your, uh, uh, give us a brief synopsis on how you got to where you started your business before we uh, fire into the, the fun parts. Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me. Um, as you mentioned, I'm Kaylee Fry. I'm the owner of Atlas. We're a content, a content marketing agency in downtown OKC. Um, in a nutshell, we help brands navigate the digital terrain. So everything from web development, branding, all the way to content marketing, social media, we kind of just help people do it all. And I've seen quite a bit of, well, maybe not quite a bit, a decent amount of her work and it's all fantastic. Even her bad stuff is better than other people's great <laughs> stuff. So I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. I'm known for making a website and then going back and like redoing it a year later, just on our end. <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm like, mm, it could be better. <laughs> I could do this better. There's a better way. <laughs> I often have that desire. And then it's like, uh, 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 how do I get motivated? <laughs> Mine's just running out of hours in a day. That's usually what stops me. <laughs> yeah. Um, knowing you like I do. Yeah. That is probably, probably true. <laughs> Um, you are definitely doing your job. One of the most like driven, dedicated people I know. Oh, thank and you. I know you're, you're welcome. And she does amazing work. And I have a feeling you don't have to live in Oklahoma for her to uh, do amazing work for you. Nope. Nationwide. We've worked with brands all over the U.S. The real question is, would you help a Canadian? I mean, if they can throw some like, legit maple syrup my way, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like teach me how to like ride a moose and that'd be like my entrance in places. Sure. Why not? We can make it yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? We could be onto something. Maybe uh, when you get married, you could leave on a moose drawn carriage. Yeah. Right. That's a whole other discussion. We're always fighting for the thermostat. I prefer winter weather, so I'm great up north, whereas Kurt, yeah. no, he needs the sandy beaches. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I need winter weather as well, namely because I'm chubby. And that's easier than going outside to take the trash out and coming in and looking like I just ran the Boston Marathon. That's how I am right now. In this <laughs> yeah, 
Kirk didn't believe me until recently. I just had him like t- touch his hand to my forehead. I'm like, see, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a fever. Right? You are doing this to me. This. It's the weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess um, enough banter. I just, um, why don't you, uh, cause I, I really do find it fascinating because starting a business is hard. It doesn't matter the year, the time starting a business is hard yeah. and everything it takes to just get to the launch date are things most people don't even comprehend. So why don't you just, uh, maybe Tell us sort of where you were working beforehand. And then it was like, all right, I'm going to tell these people to kiss my booty and I'm going to go start my own, my own business. Cause you know, that's, that's a, a massive, massive decision to make. You don't undertake that lightly and then sort of tell us how, how that came about. And then we can maybe go on to, Oh, yay. I'm two months and 18 days into this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, without giving you a full storybook, you know, you take it back to, I've worked in marketing for, good gosh, has it been 12 years maybe now? Since 2000, really since 2000 and like 2011 or so. And so just that's kind of taking things back. I started college as a junior in high school. So I did concurrent enrollment. So back when I finally got to the actual college level, <laughs> I'd already kind of gotten through all those courses that you can move through to figure out what you wanted to do. Right, right. And so I was really young. I mean, I graduated at 17. And so, you know, having those two years basically already done, it's like I said, as a 17 year old, you're asked, like, okay, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? And you're like, okay. Um, and so I was actually studying psychology at the time. I was really right. just interested in like how people like behave and how I wanted to um, specialize in child psychology with, you know, with um, music and arts therapy. So -hmm. I think that's a lot of, ironically enough, a lot of design, I think interest came into play later on, but I did that and job shadowed. (laughs) And that's what taught me that I didn't want to work in psychology. (laughs) Um, I just yeah. can't compartmentalize. And so I switched to advertising. I didn't even know that that was a job. You know, I grew up in right. super tiny towns growing up and I was just like, wait, like you can, you know, write something, you know, at the time it was like, write something clever, write something, you know, a pithy little statement, right. um, and get paid for it. So I was like, heck yeah. I'll, okay. <laughs> I'll go into that. And so did that, um, interned at various agencies. I've, seen agencies that are humongous um, and we've worked for brands like McDonald's, Toyota, those like just really big ones. Right. Um, I've also worked at a startup too here in Oklahoma City. And so I've also seen like, okay, team of five, like how do you navigate those kind of things? Right. And so I've, yeah, I've had my fair share of like giant agencies and also small ones. And so yeah. So I did mostly interned at bigger ones and then worked at a startup in downtown OKC, which it's wild now because we're actually in the same district now that I was back then, but oh, there wow. was none of this here. So it's been, it's been really cool to see the area grow. Yeah. And so from there, let's see, you know, worked at more agencies and whatnot, moved kind of my way up 
to creative director. And then I was super excited. I was like, finally creative director did that for like a couple of years. And I was just like, finally got my footing and our agency got bought out. Yeah. Yeah. So of that's course. Kind of, I think what started <laughs> all of this was like, I had always had the thought like, okay, you know, you know, when you're working in an agency, you're like, okay, I could, I could maybe do this thing better or have an idea that would be cool for something else. So you kind of just make mental notes of like, oh, if I ever do, you know, have mm-hmm. my own, this is what I would do. And so that was always kind of the back of my mind, but I was definitely too chicken to actually do it. Right. <laughs> um, I'm probably the overly cautious <laughs> spectrum of business owners. Um, and so, okay. So the, our agency that I worked at for probably about four or five years had gotten bought out and it was one of those things where the new agency taking it over, they're from out of state and it was going to be bottom, bottom peg all over again. And I was like, yeah, not, we're not doing that. (laughs) That I, I completely understand. Um, my wife, Heather, whom, you know, worked for a company and they purchased another company in Cincinnati, but all of the people that were laid off worked here for the company that bought the other company. Yeah. And I was always like, shouldn't that work the other way? It's like the company that got bought out, bought the other one. So yeah, I I completely understand not wanting to start over, especially as hard as you'd work to be in the position Mm -hmm. that you were in and the thought of being the bottom rung on the ladder again <laughs> had to right. maybe be well, more scary than starting over. <laughs> well, especially like being like a woman in the industry, while like Mad Men stuff is a bit extreme for nowadays, it's right. still not very many women in leadership positions. So in my eyes, I was like, I did not get, you know, work this hard. Yeah. Yeah. Get put down there again. So that yeah. was kind of, I was like, okay. Um, and they gave us two weeks notice too. Oh, mind you so they're like oh yeah yeah, you have like two weeks to think this over and you have to sign like a whole year working for us now and so I was like okay I have to job hunt for two weeks and so yeah Yeah, that's crazy and then you don't know is somebody gonna you know turn you into Helen Hunt while they Mel Gibson you from what women want you know you don't you don't want to go through that (laughs) and luckily I mean it I do feel like fortunate in the sense where, you know, back then I, I think I subscribed to every single job hunt thing during that time. Cause I was like, I have to get out of here. Like there's no right. way it, you know, so I was like, I have two weeks to find another job. <laughs> and so yeah. luckily I did find a new job and it was interesting because it was for a nonprofit. So that was oh. a whole different experience versus your traditional ad agencies. Yeah. Yeah. So when you first started, did you run your business from like your house? Um, or did you immediately like, okay, I got enough. I can go and have a thing based on your head nod. Um, you started at your house. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Started at the kitchen table, a strong stronghold, but that's, what's funny is in ad agencies, you have a non-compete, so you can't take on clients or can't freelance on the side most of the time. And so working at that nonprofit, I no longer had that since it was a brand within itself. And so that during that time I had taken on, I think like two or three accounts just as a freelancer. And Uh so that's kind of what I think stepping, this isn't even a word, stepping stone (laughs) into into running the business. Um, Because once that 
time it ended, I was like, okay, January, it's, you know, everyone goes, it's a new year. And then as we right. all were in 2020, oh, year of clear vision, we're going to do this. And so we, we were all so naive at the end of 2019. Right. Every one of us, we were so naive, so naive. <laughs> right. Looking back on it, I just start cracking up just because I'm like, I had no idea what was coming. And so, yeah, starting January, 2020, I was like, you know what? Like it's time. I've wanted to start an agency forever. I'm going to just going to do it. And I remember my mom thought I had lost my mind. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I come from like two or three generations of like teachers and stuff. And so it was like, oh, you go work for somewhere for like 20 years, you get all the benefits and then that's it. <laughs> There's no right, right. starting a business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can understand that's a. I mean, hugely risky thing to do. So I can I can understand why your mom was a little concerned, but hopefully she became your biggest cheerleader. Oh yeah, she did, she did later on when she realized like, oh, okay. Cause I, I don't think she, even all those years of working in marketing, I still don't, I still even now, I don't even know if my parents actually still understand what I do for a living. Right, yeah. But I think there's some of that, which is understandable. People always have a viewpoint with marketing that it's just making commercials right? for TV or maybe radio, but there's definitely so much more to that and branding and, you know, print advertisements and mm -hmm. even the design on the letterhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the way down to the littlest details. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a lot more in depth, I think, than most people realize that. And obviously you know, doing stuff with you before is how I know that there's a lot more, you know, a lot more to it than just, Hey, we're going to go make this commercial. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So how long did you work from your home before you were able to transition to getting an office space? Well, as well, 2020, you know how that started. So we started out the kitchen table and then I was like, okay, like, let's start looking at maybe some co-working spaces, maybe some other things. And then of course the whole world shut down and right. so I was at the kitchen table a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, nothing uh, wrong with that. Hey, luckily I had my dog as a good coworker at the time. I'd just be like, oh my, what is happening? I'll just look down at her and she's like, you better make this work, Kaylee. <laughs> I like, I like good toys. <laughs> so, good motivation. Yeah. I, I discovered the, I don't know, we worked from home for like six weeks when the pandemic started and I discovered all my dogs did was just sleep all day. My, my old boy, Henry just went from his bed in the kitchen to his bed in the bedroom, to his bed in the kitchen, to his bed in the bedroom. And that was all he did all day. Maybe you'd go and hear him drink. And then he just went back and I was like dude you sleep a lot <laughs> mm -hmm. that's why they have way more energy than us <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and well he was old too so there was that but <laughs> dogs do make the the best work partners mm -hmm. you know they don't put too much perfume on right they don't come and talk to you when the song that you've listened to for the 9,000th time is playing on your headphones. <laughs> My <laughs> only con is I have not trained you to make a pot of coffee yet, though. <laughs> I, that's the one thing. That's the one caveat. <laughs> yeah, well, she doesn't have thumbs. And that, that's kind of helpful <laughs> for that hard. type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, 
but yeah, I mean, worked at home. Like I feel like everyone else was started working at home too. And everyone's like, how do you stay sane? And at least like I'd had enough, a couple of months of it to be like, right. Oh, I try to do this or this, or here's some tips I have. But as soon as things did like safely open up again, I did join a, a co-working space. So that way I could focus. Cause I do realize how much I do. I can focus sometimes when I'm at home, but other times I'll focus more on the laundry or the pile of dishes. I still need to do or yeah, <laughs> all those yeah. things. Yeah, no, I understand. So <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of a happy medium. So I didn't have to go buy a space right away. I could, you know, while we're, I was trying to navigate the growth phase of things. Right. And plus it gave you a conference room to have meetings in mm-hmm. and, and that type of stuff. So yes, that conference room is invaluable. That's been my yeah. favorite <laughs> thing for sure. Yeah. And it's ironic too, because now we're in the same building as that co-working space. Uh, so it's like, we've made the joke that we didn't even venture very far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that short moves are the best moves. Right. You didn't have to move very much stuff. <laughs> and it's just across the hall or the street. It's so much easier. It's so much easier. So how long was it before you had your first employee? First employee. Ooh. I'm trying to think. I mean, I already had like two people by the end of that first year, but it was, I think it was because at least from an agency perspective, a lot of, I mean, at the previous agency, we already had one day a week where it was work from home, like remote working as a gopher. And so that was before Zoom even went off. And so I'd already kind of seen like, okay, these are some of the things that could happen if people aren't very clear on expectations. And so ironically enough, I brought on someone I worked at, I worked with at a previous agency as a designer. Right. And so it was great because she and I were in the same office. Like we knew each other's work styles. Um, I like, even though I do design, I'm more heavy into like to content copywriting messaging, whereas Mm -hmm. she's a lot more like into branding and like very specific stuff in design. And so it was a really good compliment, I think in the beginning, because then like we had kind of both sides of marketing. And so um, that was pretty, I'm trying to think of when that was, cause it just, she came on board so easily just because right. she was kind of, she was freelancing as well at the time. And so we kind of were like, let's team up <laughs> and right. go from there. And then it's been funny because it's like more and more work has come by and she's, you know, came, come on a lot more full time, but she's great. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, and then we've added other team members since then. We have a copywriter um, and then we have another one. We're bringing on a social media manager here soon. So slowly but surely we are kind of building up our own team. A lot of them like for specific projects that come up, we'll bring on contractors. So that does right. give us a little flexibility. So if we have something very specific that we're a little overstretched on, luckily I know enough people who are now freelancers or own small studios that we can kind of partner up with on. Right. That's, that's cool. Cause then you get that extra uh, talent without having mm-hmm. to put them on your health insurance plan. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's that, but, but I will say there is a downside to that though, because trying to work with like larger brands, a lot of times they'll look at you and be like, well, you're a small agency. And I right. think that's been the hardest thing to kind of tackle, but in a way this is, I mean, this is how I've spun it is 
we're a small agency by design because now there's five of us. So we're, we're still pretty small, but you're working with senior level people. Like all of us on the team have more than 10 years of experience in, like in our specific, very specific, um, functions. Yeah. And so instead of a large agency where you'd get passed off to an intern, like after that first meeting, <laughs> we're right. kind of like, you get the, you know, the senior level people in the same room with you at all times. It's not just like a one and done kind of a thing. So well, that was sort of what I was thinking when you were saying that, like maybe a huge agency with 200 people, they might have 20 huge clients. Mm-hmm. Well, they're your one, maybe huge client. So you're going to put everything into their mm-hmm. product versus spreading it out, you know, amongst sort of 20 things because you're sort of going this way and uh, that team that handled your project may not be as good mm-hmm. and you're able to laser focus in on somebody probably a little more. So maybe well, and that's for a lot of those execs will be there that first meeting, but then you won't see them afterwards. And so yeah. that's where I think with us, even if we ever do get really big, I want it to be really intentional in that, you know, people like working on your projects are always going to be <laughs> at that level. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of working on projects, as we were talking before we started um, recording, why don't you, I, I just thought this was sort of a cool story of telling us how you adapted to having a client during a pandemic and something that March of 2020 was huge. And in February of 2020, no one had heard of Zoom, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> then all of a sudden, Zoom was the biggest thing. If I could go back in time and buy stock. I had to train so many clients on Zoom when it came yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, but um, tell us your, because I thought this was kind of a unique adaptation to make mm-hmm. for an odd time. So go ahead and fill us in on this because I think it's cool. You're good. Well, what this sounds strange, but when everyone's business is kind of tanked, ours oddly took off. But I think that was just because people were like, well, we're not making sales. What do we do? They're kind of at right. that loss of everything we've ever done is no longer relevant. Like what's, right. you know, what can we do? And so I remember at the time we had, we were working with an interior design studio. And so they were trying to think of like, we were trying to just creatively think of ways to kind of keep things rolling Mm-hmm. Uh, because during the yeah. pandemic, a lot of people halted their purchasing. So you kind of had to look at other goals. So maybe your goal might not be specifically immediate sales. Maybe it is priming people to when they are ready to buy, you know, they'll feel more comfortable making that purchase. And so for them, one of their goals was to, you know, increase like their email list. That way they can nurture them over time. And so they had such a good eye for design. And so I had the idea that we could, with Zoom backgrounds, I was like, oh, like there's beaches and all that stuff. Like how cool would it be to make it look like you're in like this high rise apartment or if you were in this like really snazzy like living room, like just something to look a little nicer. And so what we had her do was we had her stage different rooms, like with really nice furniture pieces that she had picked out. Um, because she worked with a lot of real estate companies too. So she, luckily she had access to all these different goods and products that she could just kind of, you know, stage like you would a home. Right. And so we did that, um, hired a photographer to come out, take really, just really nice photos. And what we did is we had those be zoom backgrounds. And so people would put in their email address. They could download 
like this whole collection of really just beautiful Zoom backgrounds. But on our website, we set up a section to where they had those pictures, but they had them shoppable. So if you wanted like, oh, I love that couch and that lamp and that one, that one photo, they could go in there and buy from and or buy it. from essentially from her. That way it was like an affiliate of some sort, but right. that was kind of an income stream they didn't even think about prior to it. They were just kind of like getting clients, but this would like grow their email list, but they also could still get some income from another source. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm talking about. That's a, a great idea for something that literally, you know, four months before you did it, Mm-hmm. wasn't even something probably on your radar as a possibility of something mm-hmm. to do because nobody had heard of Zoom in February 2020. Yeah, a lot of it was just coming up with stuff like that for clients that, like I said, if they couldn't immediately draw in sales, we started just kind of looking at other income streams in their business. We started looking at like, okay, um, how are your, your referrals doing? Do we need to set up other stuff during this time? Yeah, it was a lot of, like, was it even just us, but like we were helping a lot of other industries try to figure out. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a whole whirlwind of not like breaking normal things that you'd see in marketing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, everyone, it was like that for everyone. Yeah. Even for the state of Oklahoma. I remember on Monday, the state of Oklahoma did not have a work at home policy. You either worked at work <laughs> or you were on vacation or sick leave. Those yeah. were your only options. On Tuesday, they came to me and they said, is there anything you think you could do at home from your job? It's like, well, let me, yeah, let me sort of think about it. And then Wednesday at noon, they're like, remember yesterday when we were discussing things you could do at home, you need to pack that up so you can go home and you're working at home for a while. <laughs> so it was so fast. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a state employee. And it was that fast for us. And so in the sort of, I guess, civilian world, so to speak, it had to have been even even different. And so many restaurants had to go from, you know, a dine-in only option to, oh, wait, now we all of a sudden have to do curbside and, you know, yeah. learn to take orders over the phone and all of that. And you're the type of person that could help everybody manage this transition because as a, being in marketing, you have to be creative. I just don't think you can be non-creative in that job. (laughs) Well, and that's where I'm laughing because I can't remember when I took on Amanda, like as like first employee, just because we really hit the ground running because she did more of the branding side and front end development. I knew content and back end development. So we really did just like hit the ground running with everyone's stuff. But I remember just at that time, almost feeling guilty though, because I was like, we're doing well while all these other businesses are, you know, not doing so good. And so I remember at that time we were helping actually a lot of other businesses for free. Um, just because like we were still growing as a business. So we did have a bit more extra bandwidth. And for me, it was just kind of like, if we can help others, you know, by golly, I want to do it just because I see businesses like with their, you know, their, storefronts going, you know, for sale. And I remember just being like, I wish I would have known that or else I would have just reached out to them and be like, Hey, like, I'll help right. you yeah. Would, would you like some help? Maybe I can help yeah. you adapt to this new world. Right. Well, even not, even if not us, like point them to different resources. We, at this point, it's like, we know enough, like 
high-end paid and even free resources that people can use for stuff. You know, it doesn't always yeah. have to cost an arm and a leg. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's true. I, uh, my son, who's a frequent contributor to the show is sort of what, when I was a teenager, we would have called a nerd. <laughs> um, I, I jokingly say that. And he plays D and D. Oh, we Well, he has this big map that he made. And I was like, hey, where'd you get that map? And he's like, oh, there's a software that you can get. You can create maps and then you can use it for your your D&D stuff. And I was like, that sounds like fun. Because the only part of Sims that I ever liked was building the house. Mm -hmm. And then in Minecraft, I just like building crap. I don't like (laughs) games where it's like an end point and you have stuff to solve. I just like making crap. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. And I was like, but your map doesn't, the plate tectonics are wrong and it's just not right. Mountain ranges wouldn't form like that based upon everything. And he was like, well, would you like to make some maps? I was like, yeah. So he emailed me the software and I've been working on this map for him. So he's going to do this big campaign on it. And then we were talking the other day and he goes, you know, dad, people make those maps and they sell them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? That, that could be a money man. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> there are so many like niche things like that where that are super profitable and no one's gotten into them yet. Like Kirk yeah. and I have joked how many, you know, how many like festival websites and stuff are terrible. And we're like, oh, that's even a niche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it like, really is. So many they are testable things. or they are, they are <laughs> not good. And that's because probably most of the time festivals are put on by people doing it in their spare time and mm-hmm. maybe not have website fine, knowledge. But it's one of those <laughs> things where you're like, oh, there's people that I can help. Like if they yeah. want the help, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I, I, I know this because you did it with the former group that I was in before things happened and I had to get a secondary job and I got burned out. <laughs> Okay, burnout is brutal. <laughs> I'm burned out. I have one job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, but as have, far as the D and D thing goes, you'd be very surprised how many like designers and developers and like a lot of creatives like playing D and D. Yeah, um, well, it makes been sense. having fun with the software, whereas I love like the storytelling and like. All yeah, that stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what my son done. He he's the DM for it, and mm-hmm. and so I. <laughs> I'm a dork. So on the, on the, one of the maps, I'm, there's like a country and I named all of the cities after favorite animals of my family. So oh, nice. the Duncan's favorite animal is a lemur. So the country is Lemuria. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the cities is, um, is Zubraska. <laughs> I used to name them after the housing developments. Like, like during college, we'd play D and D. And we would name it after the little like suburbs of Edmond. <laughs> so, like, right. You'd get like Winter Hill and like all these things. <laughs> like, what was it? Like Forensia. Like just right, all right. these little <laughs> we just start, have like a little map and just okay, let's just start picking them off. <laughs> right. Yeah. I uh, I named one of the deserts the Great Anakin Desert because yeah. you know Anakin doesn't like sand <laughs> so I was like I just have to and then uh the other desert I named was from the old SNL skit you know with the sweaty balls so it's the the great sweaty desert <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> I, I I gotta throw some 
you know, humor into the very serious world of D&D for the boys. So mm-hmm. like a good father should, right? If if a father makes a D&D map, should it not have dad jokes incorporated into it? Agreed. No, I'm all for it. Dad jokes and puns. <laughs> Kirk always rolls his eyes at me, but I'm like, come on, it makes it more fun. <laughs> well, if he named them, they would be named like after teeth. Right. It was a Ephesial or something like that. Yeah. He'd have the the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> he would be like numbered. he would be like the great incisor mountains. Right. And then, you, then you go through the molar jungles. <laughs> Watch out for the molar bears. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm ready to be old. <laughs> I got so many puns just waiting. <laughs> right, right. The best part is we're recording this in July. Yeah. But I'm trying to get ahead, so it's. Either going to air and go live in October or December. I, I'm working on sort of times. Um, November's my is dedicated to veterans, so awesome. So this is going to be funny again because mm-hmm. I would have completely forgot about this section, and then I'm going to be like, "Oh, that was pretty funny." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm in for a laugh in the future. Okay, <laughs> but we. That's the beauty of having a show with ADHD or ADD in the title is if I sidetrack and go off the rails, it's completely expected. So our, our little side quest that we just went on is part is on brand. I like it. (laughs) So to speak. (laughs) So um, what has kind of been getting back on track? What has kind of been your favorite sort of you don't have to say what it is, but like the favorite thing that you've done where you're like, I just enjoyed the whole part. It looked really great as it, you know, was rolled out. It was awesome. And I was, I'm just super, super proud of this. Ooh. It's hard to pick one favorite project, but I think my favorite projects have been <laughs> ones where we've really got to build something from the ground up. So the branding plus the website plus all the collateral plus all the content. I think the projects we've had the most success with are the ones that we've gotten to have our hands on more of the things because it's a lot more cohesive and we can kind of bring what we had imagined actually and implement it. Because that that is what's hard sometimes is like if you only get a portion of like someone's marketing, sometimes it doesn't go as far. (laughs) And so right. Um yeah, I mean, we've worked with like a fin- like a couple of different financial institutions. We've also worked with construction, ironically, with some dentists. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, hint, hint, Kirk. <laughs> yes. But, <laughs> in in case listeners, in case you haven't that, that's figured a out, joke. <laughs> uh, her her significant other, her partner in crime, is a dentist. <laughs> Because he has a thing for causing pain. Anyway. He's a dentist. Sorry, I broke into uh, a... <laughs> like a monologue. Like, uh, what is it? Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. The, the Steve Martin character. <laughs> yes, but Kurt, that's been Kurt an ongoing joke nice. is how many dental offices do I have to do, make websites for before it's your own? <laughs> so <laughs> right? that's an ongoing joke. Is I'm going to have all your competitions done before yours. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had even a construction company, like a commercial construction company, right. 
Um, they had a lot of cool projects. Like their clients were, you know, they built Devon Tower and OU oh. Stadium, um, Omni or the Omni Hotel. So those are so it's it's cool because we get to help businesses. We get to help them be the cool, the cool ones. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Interior design. Good golly, we've worked with so many industries now, which is funny. Yeah. It, is it strange going from a meeting where it's like, um, I don't know, we want you to rebrand our car dealership. And then the very next meeting you go to is like the exact polar opposite of, of that. Is that strange to get your sort of like turn off? Okay, I got to switch off from this. And now we're going with the complete opposite of the meeting I was just in. Is that a difficult transition to make? Or have you gotten better at it? Or were you always good at it? As far as like industry to industry, yeah, I think there was a lot of practice in that. Just working in various and like agencies, right. a lot of times they don't really have agencies are notorious for not really having target industries because obviously it's like you can work with so many different kinds. Yeah, um, I think for me, it is like it is really odd sometimes trying to move from one thing to another, but I think that's what, that's what a fun challenge is. It, it is too, right? Because a lot of it is based off of audience versus just the industry itself. So like, for example, we've worked with like three different financial institutions, but their audiences mm-hmm. were completely different. Okay. So that affects how you talk to that customer, how, like, what kind of things that we want to help that whole process or, you know, are they drawn to certain kind of image, like images and styles and those kind of things. Right. Um, you know, but whole different <laughs> and so yeah we, we like have our own version of like documents where it's kind of like not like a score like not like a baseball card but you know what i mean like we have like our own like right. percenters we have for each brand to kind of help us like okay if we feel like we're not staying true to what they need we can kind of look at those and like okay it's a little primer okay we're good to go <laughs> right right yeah yeah no that makes that makes perfect sense I just thought, you know, it's got to be weird to go from marketing like a toilet bowl company to soccer balls. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we haven't had toilet, toilet companies yet, but it, yeah, it's like, it's definitely like weird, but in a good way, because I feel right. like you get a lot of ideas, like, for example, that interior design one, that's probably a much more like product base or e-commerce tactic that right. you wouldn't think would go into a more like service-based like clientele and so I think because you work with so many different ones you can kind of like see tactics that are working for other things and be like oh have you thought about this yeah no that makes that makes perfect sense and I imagine there's also a bit of obviously target audience if the target Mm -hmm. audience is boomers it's probably a slightly different content than the target audience being Gen Z. (laughs) Well, and I think that's where like my psychology background comes into play is we spend a lot of time digging into our clients' audiences. Like we'll do interviews with their favorite customers. We'll um, have like different questions that we walk through, like their sales teams and things. Right. Um, We really dig into like those like psychographics, which I, I nerd out on that kind of stuff is like really digging into like what people are thinking and what that their goals are, what the pain points are, what are those right, right. points? Yeah, it one of this ties it does tie in with what you were saying. One of the things that irritates the crap out of me is music artists and record labels. Yes, that block content on YouTube. 
Because if you want the younger kids to discover your music and like your music, mm-hmm. they're not listening to the radio. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not walking around with Walkmans mm-hmm. and listening to Top 40. They're getting their music content from YouTube a lot of times. And reaction channels are what pique their interest a lot of times. And so why would you as say an artist that has, you know, is basically now like old school rock from the seventies. Why would you not want somebody that's 17 to discover your music? Right. So why do you do things that block them from getting to hear your product? See, I think that's the most missed opportunity to be honest with you, because I mean, yes, they might be hearing about you otherwise, but my thing is you can make that into a whole campaign on its own. Um, yeah. Like for example, you know, there's various artists that will do this, but you know, instead of like blocking it, just being on there one, it's like, you, you do need to get credited, even if it's in like, right. the, you know, the caption, but I will say that would be a great campaign to be like, Oh, like, you know, we are, I'm going to explain it, doing a new rendition of this classic song um, tag us in yours and like, we'll feature right. throughout the month. I think that's a great opportunity to like promote like user-based content. So it's honestly less work for you. You can highlight other people, but also it creates that community of like, oh, we're all getting to kind of be a part of it and connect with this, you know, old music group. Um, right. But it also kind of revives it too. And so yeah, I think it's honestly like a missed opportunity. Like you could well, do a lot more with it. Well, like Don Henley of the Eagles, he mm-hmm. has, I think it's three employees that their entire job is to just surf YouTube mm-hmm. and put content blocks on people that have Eagles music or Don Henley music playing in the background. I Take the difference. Credit maybe, but I wouldn't block them though. Like... But the difference is the mm-hmm. doors. Yeah. They have people that track stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like, um, there's a really large reaction channel called uh, Jamal, AKA Jamel. Mm-hmm. And he did a Doors video and the Doors noticed that their traffic from streaming services went up after the air date of his video. So mm-hmm. what did the Doors do? They sent him a, a replica of, a gold, of their first gold record. Good. <laughs> as a thank you, yeah. right? And so uh, the same thing with Phil Collins two years ago, mm-hmm. his, he had that video of a live version of him singing and those kids reacted to it and it became yeah. the number one song on Apple. So which mm-hmm. is better? We don't want you to hear our music <laughs> or let's have a number one song that Let's hasn't been charted since the 80s well and that's right? where i think there's a big division in like i want to call it old school marketing versus new but it kind of is though whereas yeah. before it was like oh you have tight ownership over something you can't have access to it unless you pay me directly whereas nowadays people are seeing when you are more generous with content when you are more interactive with fans who may, who are maybe you know covering your songs and stuff it pays it back tenfold. <laughs> yeah, because now you have yeah. this huge audience. Mm-hmm. It, you know, when you're a musician, isn't that what you want? People right? to listen to your music. So why make a whole generation not hear your music? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's what I've seen, like that division happen with like some previous like businesses I've worked with and other agencies where they were like, oh no. I think I recommended like, oh, get people to like tag, like tag your business in these photos as they're using the products and those kind of things. This was kind of before the YouTube like 
yeah, unboxing and all those things. Right. But I was like, oh, like get the people to like tag you in it. Da, da, da. You can share that content. They get excited and then we'll honestly do it more, um, which will in turn show to all their followers. But I remember their reaction. They were like, well, what if it's like a, not a good thing about our product? Like, what if they are not saying nice things? And I'm like, well, one, you don't have to use it, but two, like, so what your stuff is still out there. Yeah. And just, I was like, and honestly, they're not going to waste their time putting together a huge post about why they don't like something. It's probably going to be the opposite. <laughs> and yeah. I remember that they just felt like it was some, such a huge gamble. And I was like, just give it, give it a month. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we'll, you know, redirect and go from there, but it went really well. And they got so like, they just had so much content that they no longer had to create. They just could pull from and highlight other people and they got excited and reshared and doing it for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Community over, over the tight hands of the, over the dollars. You know what I mean? It's just like, that yeah. way of just holding on to something so hard is just not working anymore. It's like the more generous you are with stuff and I don't know, it just, it builds more of a community. I think that's where things are going. Right. Right. And I've sort of noticed just this cause you know, I'm, I'm nearing half a century folks. So my oldest kid is solidly a millennial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my son, we refer to him as a zillennial because it sort of <laughs> depends on what who's using what as the cutoff point yeah so he's either the very end of a millennial or the very start of gen z and then my youngest is solidly gen z and even so there's nine years difference between the oldest and the youngest and just the way they approach and look at things is totally wildly different Mm -hmm. and that's because my oldest kid sort of grew up kind of as the internet was becoming a thing you know, she used to have to get on and do dial up and hear the sound and all of that when we first got internet, right? That was me. See, I'm an elder millennial and my yeah. brother's Gen Z and it blows my mind sometimes. Yeah, my youngest has never had to do that. There's just always been internet. Mm-hmm. If she wants it, you know, she just like, you know, so for her, she has this total different mindset. She almost doesn't remember a a pre-YouTube world. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. <laughs> and. And she, you know, in her mind, she's like, dad, Facebook's for old people. What? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And so I see how it's, it's totally different and, you know, everything is just totally wild. And sometimes I think my generation, uh, Gen X, we're sort of weird because we're the forgotten generation, but a lot of our mindset in a lot of things is still kind of (laughs) boomery, you know, but then there's other things where because we also came through as the world was sort of shifting to computers and everything where we can adapt slightly better. And then being at home by yourself wasn't a big deal because we were the first latchkey kids who came home from school and spent time by ourselves. So it's sort of weird, but I just noticed the Gen Z, they just look at the world so differently and I'm not, I'm not good or bad. I'm not judging or anything like that, but for marketing, that probably is a challenge to market to a Gen Z person as opposed to I will others. say it's very temperamental marketing to Gen mm-hmm. Z. Like it's fine, but you have to really be careful because things that you wouldn't even, because like I'm in, I'm a Gen Y. And so there's things where like, I won't even think could even be taken in another way. 
right. <laughs> in 20 ways. And so it's like, it's like, like I said, it's not like a bad thing. It's just a very different lens. And so you just have to be like hyper aware, like, whereas before you'd think, okay, well, like I vetted it this much, whereas now you have to vet it this, 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 this much. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and there's a couple more steps here. Cause we gotta, mm-hmm. you know, we gotta look at that, but at the same time, they're probably not watching, you know, their local nightly newscast either. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly certain that my kids have probably not watched regular broadcast TV and the younger ones yeah. anyway in <laughs> a good five years. I mean, years. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I have my handful of stuff now and I, I still kind of poke around in a bunch of other ones just out of curiosity probably, right. but I'm old yeah. fashioned. I stick to AP and NPR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I actually the kids have got me to where I actually watch probably YouTube as much as I do mm-hmm. regular TV. I will say so, I think it's an exciting time just because there's so many we're seeing so much like creativity. I think in people yeah. who wouldn't normally you would think have those platforms, yeah. so it's just cool to get to watch that. Yeah, I watch a lot of people building their own houses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fascinating. I have no desire to build a house myself, but I applaud people that can and do. Mm-hmm. And there, there's about five or six different people that I discovered like mid-build and then I went back and watched from the beginning. And it is amazing how many people started out and they were recording on their iPhones and the production quality sucks. And some of them now, the production quality is like HGTV quality programming and it's just them recording it themselves and doing all of the editing and everything yeah and I applaud that I think it's fascinating that people are able to you know do that and make a living off YouTube when mm-hmm. YouTube first started I if you would have said people are going to make money on YouTube I would have been like you're full of shit right because <laughs> I think of like old Greg and the shoes video and like all those things when I think of YouTube yeah but yeah, I mean, but even like to that point, you know, back then we, people didn't realize how, you know, homes maybe were built or the processes or right. anything, but now that people have been kind of looser handed with the processes and how things work and just that information in general, it's like that has piqued the interest of so many different people. And it's like, like I said, it, it will pay back tenfold just because you're being generous with it and not just yeah. like, oh, hey, don't find out our secrets. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the one of the channels I watched, the reason they the reason they started recording was because they had moved like two states away from family and mm-hmm. their family wanted to watch them as they were building the house. It's so she was like, oh, we'll just record it, upload it to YouTube, and then um yeah, they were like, well, we got to give it a name so people can find it. And they thought, you know, just just our 10 family members or whatever, whatever will watch it. And they have something like 2 million subscribers now watching them, you know, as they've gone through everything and build their house. And they, they ended up making enough money. The husband quit his job. He was a commercial electrician and he was able to quit. And that's what they did. But, that, but that's the wild thing now is before I think it was like, so, you know, there's such a gatekeep on all those things. Whereas now it's like, I'm, I'm still telling this to certain, like to new clients, but I'm like, you have to realize you might think your day to day is very boring, but some people probably find it fascinating. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like a lot of them are like, no way. Like, no, 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 it's pretty. I'm like, no, like <laughs> people yeah. think it's cool. And it's like important to share that. I I literally watch YouTube channels where it's just guys that are sawyers sawing logs to live edge slabs to sell to people. Yeah. On a sawmill. Now that people, sounds I watch videos of people coding stuff. I mean, yeah, like yeah. You're like, you want to learn something, you just go there. Like, my wife will come in and she'll be like, why are you watching that? I'm like, it's very relaxing. There's something incredibly relaxing about watching a guy mill wood. I don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) She came in one day and I was like, honey, you can't talk to me. He just got his new wood miser, LT70, (laughs) upgraded from the LT45, and he's never used it before. You're like, I got to watch this. you know (laughs) but yeah and i'm sure you probably help clients with hey maybe we need to social media youtube stuff something Mm -hmm. people are like i don't want to youtube and you're like do you want to make money (laughs) well and i think people have this misconception and this i mean this is the marketing advice i guess i would give is you know because there's so much content people are like oh you have to make so much stuff these days You'd be surprised, even as like a small business owner, you could take one thing and digest it like five different ways. So I always right. recommend either like a video or like a long form content, like a blog post or something. And then from that, you could make, let's start with a video. So let's say you don't even okay. like taking videos. What you can do is re- record your voice, get it transcribed. So you have now an audio file. If you wanted to have a video file, you could do that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have that transcription can be your blog post. You can take the three takeaways you got from that blog post and have that be an email series. You can right. take a quote from that and have that be a social post as well as carousels on like a certain process in that blog post. So it's like, you can take just from that one video, you know what I mean? It's like, right. you can yeah. take one piece of content and take it multiple ways. You don't have to just churn out more and more stuff. Um, yeah. I know like when I'll explain that to some clients, they'll feel a little bit better because they're like, oh, that sounds way easier. I'm like, yeah, like you don't have to just be making more right. and more stuff. Like start with something really substantial and then just break it down. And yeah, you can go from there. And mm-hmm. No, that's, that's why you do what you do. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening and you want to have someone in marketing, everybody hates the sound of their voice when you first start. When I first started editing my podcast, I was so cringed every time I would hear myself, which was a lot because I was editing my podcast. I don't even notice now. <laughs> I already know my voice is cringy, so we're good. <laughs> we're past that shock. Like, everybody feels that way. And the truth of the matter is you hear your voice differently than other people do. And so mm-hmm. that's why it seems weird. Nobody else thinks 99 times out of a hundred thinks that your voice is bad. <laughs> it's just, a, it's like an internal block. Mm-hmm. So when, when you hire her to do your job and she's suggesting this, don't say, but my voice is awful. No, don't do that. <laughs> and if we need, we'll contract a voice actor to read whatever you need. I mean, there's multiple ways to get around things. <laughs> right. I, I would like you to hire James Earl Jones for me. Hey, I'm working on Morgan Freeman. I haven't heard back yet. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling Morgan's probably uh, busy. not cheap. Yeah, I mean, that's the joke. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine James Earl Jones probably isn't economical either, <laughs> to be fair. 
I don't think the voice of Darth Vader is cheap. <laughs> Only on cameo. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. Is he on there? I don't know. I kind of want to go look now. <laughs> that, I've always thought cameo was kind of silly, but mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably do it for, let my wife do that for me for James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. Or Mark Hamill. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, we can't with my first mm-hmm. girlfriend, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. So that was that was the saddest, 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 saddest celebrity thing I ever dealt with. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, I just I don't know. It to me it's really impressive to anyone that starts a business. Well, I think you. marketing is so sort of a unique type situation because you have to be good at multiple sort of tracks to, you know be successful at that and to do it yeah, during a pandemic no. i would say yes and no to that last part though i think it's important to specialize anymore because now the, the market's super saturated but i do think it's helpful to have an understanding of just basic stuff right so like when i was a copywriter i wanted to learn coding and development which was on the opposite spectrum but i also didn't go into it with the mindset of like oh i'm going to be developer in my head I was like well I want to be able to give better direction to a developer if I'm working with them right Um, and with graphic design I took classes and stuff not because I wanted to be a designer per se but I wanted to be able to like communicate those ideas better well that in itself is good because you know sometimes you meet people and you're like wow that was not maybe they should have been a little more wordy (laughs) (laughs) well back in like the like so like one of the super early agencies I worked at, oh goodness, I remember this developer I worked with and he had such an ego and it's like, you would ask for things nicely, five different ways. And he just would, nah, doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And I remember just in my head being like, if I could just do this, I'd be able to make this cool. Like, if you just like listen. I, had, I had an idea in my head. So it was like one of those things where that frustration of like, I have this idea, but I can't bring it to life kind of a thing. And that was so frustrating. And so that's why I was like, I'm going to learn the basics so I can at least be like, all you have to do is X, Y, Z, move this over. Da, da, da. Like, are you sure you can't help me? <laughs> like, Yeah. Would you like to make more money? <laughs> right. And so because uh, he told me like things can't be done. And I, I remember one time, like I had learned enough to where I was dangerous. And I was like, actually, it can if you do this, this, and this. And he was just like, how do you know that? <laughs> yeah. My, uh, I my was favorite... like, like you were saying, you're going to make right. this for me, right? <laughs> my favorite local commercial is the AC guy that, uh, what is it, that sings the song? Um, oh, dang it. Now I'm, I can't remember it. Now I'm going to have to edit it out. But he has like that song and he's like, do it with whatever the air conditioning company is. And he's like, do it. And you're like, this is a horrible commercial, but this dude is totally putting a hundred percent into it. And I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you're going to do it, you should go ahead and make everybody make it memorable. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Make it memorable. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, Hey, not everybody has a billion dollar marketing budget, like say Toyota with Jan. Is we've, it Jan? Also yeah. with, we've also worked with really small ones too, though. That's kind of where, I don't know. My whole goal is just to give like access to both resources. So right. whether you are a small business or a large one, 
you're getting the same tools and resources that we use for large ones. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that like people will try to like sell you on, like, oh, you have to use this platform to do this or all that. Whereas I'm like, honestly, you could do a lot of bootstrapping (laughs) to where things are just about free. Yeah. So I always like tell like prospective clients, I'm like on those consultation calls, I'm like, honestly, we don't have to work together. I can give you some free resources if you just want to go do it yourself. Yeah. Which is nice. Very friendly. Which for some people who want to, like, good. They have a head start. They don't have to search the first 20 pages of Google for something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, I could testify to this. We both um, were in a like a nonprofit sort of club thing. I'm not going to go into names or anything like that. And there was a situation that had come up and there was some rebranding that needed to be done. And Kaylee came in and was like, how am I supposed to pick between these six things? Because they're all so phenomenally good. <laughs> it, it was hard to narrow it down because it was like any one of these was a thousand times better than what we were using so we were automatically going to be in a better place, but I then know. it was, which one of these do we want to go with? <laughs> but that's where it's strategy though. Cause it's like it's, anything can look better, but does it perform better? Is it right. actually moving the needle? And that's kind of where I really like dig into that kind of work is yeah. sure we can make it look nice, but let's make it, you know, whether it's raising funds, like fundraising or you know, sales or tickets or whatever you need to do. Yeah. Well, the difference was honestly, because you're a professional, a professional versus someone that like did it on Canva. Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> let me do some Canva. I hey. recommend that to a lot of people. I'm like, hey, I, you need some quick graphics for social. That's not like. <laughs> hey, I use Canva all the time when I make my things for guests coming on because mm-hmm. I can do it on my phone. So I use Canva all the time. So I'm not dogging it. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying that there is a difference between the professional and someone doing it on their phone while they're going to the restroom at work. Yes, (laughs) Yes, but I was just more so, I guess I was trying to say is, you know, for example, like we've been able to create just templates as well in Canva of like our own use for clients. So we'll essentially design them, but then we'll also like mock them up in Canva. So we have them, but also the clients can swap out can stuff and stuff use them too. all together yeah. too. Yeah. No, I think Canva really is a great tool. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it isn't, oh, you're- but, but if you're trying <laughs> to, no, no, I know, I know, I know. I'm saying though that <laughs> if you have an organization or something like that, yeah. Canva's great for social media posts and all of that, but do mm. you want like your official logo no, <laughs> to be designed? I will say right? that. That's what I'm you saying. You can do your business cards and all that stuff on it if you really want to, but I'm like, don't do your logo with Canva. Just please don't. Yeah. That's <laughs> that one sort of I will say, if you're going to invest, invest in good branding. Right. Um, and outside of that, that's at. where you can find a lot of alternatives. But that's the one thing I feel like you should, you should invest in is your branding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I find for when I have a guest on and I make a Canva thing about, Hey, this episode's coming out. I have this guest. Mm-hmm. I can make each one look different. It's not the same thing for each person. And mm-hmm. they all look, you know, they're unique for each guest in each episode, which is great. It's easy to do. I can do it. So that means anyone else can do it. <laughs> 
But when, yeah, yeah there's when definitely you pros your... and cons to that because yeah. I know sometimes people be like, oh, well, if I can just go do this, and I'm like, okay, go do that. Yeah, but if you're putting, <laughs> you they'll festival... come back and be like, okay, this is taking me a while. I'm like, I told you. <laughs> right, but if you're putting on a festival or say a a big fancy dinner that people are paying seventy dollars for tickets, mm-hmm. the more professional it looks. <laughs> the more likely people will be to spend $70 a plate or, you know, for the ticket yeah, because of the, the professional look of an actual mark, you know, marketing expert mm-hmm. that can do that type of stuff. It makes a huge difference. And I know that from the group that we used to, you know, work with together. And I, I, I know there's a big difference on just how that looks. Mm-hmm. Well, so. and it's like the, what did I always say like design and content it's like design is like that initial like waving at someone like oh hey and then like the content's the handshake and so right. it's like you want strong on both ends so where something can look good but you also like to want the messaging to kind of bring in that perceived value because you, you don't want to be that cheapest at the end of the day I mean that's for any brand <laughs> it's like you don't right. want to be known for being the cheapest my thing right was, right my thing is like the goal at the end of the day, I've joked with people is my goal at the end of the day is to make every business we work with a millionaire. <laughs> Just that, because I'm like, there's no reason why you can't if you're selling good products or d- doing great services. Like there's no reason you can't. We just got to make sure yeah. like find a way to where it's worth that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's actually, you know, that's great marketing for you. My goal is to make you bathe and one dollar bills if you want (laughs) (laughs) not that scene in breaking bad (laughs) with the stack of money and the that's what i want to do for you (laughs) (laughs) basically i mean like i i say that but i genuinely mean it i'm like today i had a meeting with a client and she's like i want like I asked her like, what's like, what's your revenue goal for, you know, this next quarter? Cause now we're in that mid year, like, okay, right. how are we towards our goal? And she's like, ah, oh, I want to make this much. And I was like, what's your big bodacious goal? And she's like, what? I was like the one that you're almost too embarrassed to say out loud. Cause it sounds like it's too much. What is that one? Right. And we just, she like gave me a number and I was like, okay, let's divide. Like we're looking at next year. Cause her thing was like, I want that in seven years. I'm like, let's, let's see if we can get it in a year. That'd be kind of cool. So yeah. I was like, okay, we'll take this divide it by 12, you know, do some math crunching. Okay. Now let's divide it by like, okay, what's your average, you know, ticket price of a thing, you know, or your mm. like average sale price. Right. And so we did that, broke it down. And it like, at one point it got broken down to like, what was it? Like one thing every two days or something. So I was like, okay, so really you just need this many per month. And that's on the low end that we weren't even t- thinking about. Like if it was a super high one, we were just starting with like the base price, but I remember her like seeing her face and it's funny. Cause it's zoom ironically enough, but like a light bulb went out and she was just like, that's doable. And I was like, yeah, like, that's what I was that's, telling you. Yeah. But that's what she's like. I don't have to wait seven years to do that. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, but that's my yeah. thing though, is I feel like a lot of times people will be like, that's so unattainable and you're, yeah. you just break it down and you're like, okay, get real clear on, you know, what, how many customers are I need to sell this thing to, to equal this. Yeah. <laughs> if you get those but, metrics, then you can just measure and go from there. 
that's got to be though a pretty good feeling for you to have somebody to like sort of see the light bulb turn on. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. That's like yeah. my absolute favorite. Whether it's in like a branding presentation, like or whether it's walking someone through their website, or even just like today, just talking legitimately, just business yeah. income. Um, it's always really fun because then they're just like, "What? Yeah, That's yeah, not so crazy." And I'm like, "Yeah, let's get you there." <laughs> yeah, and it's got to be cool when they get to that goal too, as well, because you're like, "I did that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, there is that, but I also am just like proud because you can only do like from a marketing standpoint, yeah, you can get people to their doorstep or, you know, their website and stuff, but really it's that fulfillment end, you know, did they follow through well on their services? Are their products actually quality? And that's where it's like, we can get them to it, but it's also up up to them to create a really good experience. So it's like, yes, proud of us, but it's also kind of like, yeah, I knew you guys had it in you kind of a thing. Yeah, 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 no, because, yeah, no, I totally get that. That's just, it's got to be a good feeling to put work Mm -hmm. in and then see it come to Yeah, it's almost like more like a teacher or like coach kind of of a role where you're just like proud of of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, see, now you can tell your mom because you come from a long line of teachers. I get it. When I teach people why marketing is important, I understand when you taught somebody how to diagram a sentence, which is <laughs> never, Mrs. Christian, I've never once in my entire life after seventh grade had to diagram a sentence, just FYI, yeah, if you're still alive. Calculator. <laughs> yeah, just if you're still alive, because you're probably pretty old, if that's the case. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, no, Um this has been really cool. Um, I've enjoyed talking to you about marketing and all of the aspects of it. And plus, you can tell. You. No, you're <laughs> you're very enthusiastic about it. And that that is important because one, it shows when you're dealing with a client, you're not faking it because you're just talking about what you do and you're this excited about it. So that tells me that when you're helping a client, you really are putting everything that you can. And if the person at the top is that excited about it, the people that work for you are probably also pretty excited about it. Because if if you aren't excited about doing the thing, the people that work under you will pick up on that and they won't be as excited about it. Right. But you clearly love your job in that well, your product. What's funny is um, a boss at one of the previous agencies, which not all of them are great, but I did have one that was really cool. And I remember him mentioning this once and he was like, you guys have to remember, you're not just creating things for a business. You're helping that business grow, which in turn grows their team, which creates more jobs, which puts food on their table, which extra money goes back into the economy to help other small businesses. He was like, it's a cycle. Like it doesn't end with launching that website or, you know, printing those business cards. And I remember that's kind of like stuck with me ever since is it's like you get the reactions, which is the immediate, you know, gratification, but then you kind of know like, okay, like if we can grow these businesses, my, my hopes is that they'll always pay it forward. And I think a lot of the businesses that we do work with tend to do that even on their own, like Mm -hmm. that construction business I mentioned earlier, they partner with Habitat for Humanity and do free labor. Um, one of the, um, clients we're working with right now does stuff for like down syndrome and they're trying to create Mm -hmm. jobs for like people with different like special needs and stuff. And so I think like 
that's really satisfying being able to help like different organizations and brands that like have good hearts do right, that right. because yeah. I feel like money just magnifies what how people already are and so if you have a good pe- like good people who really are on a mission to do something good like giving them those resources and tools to be able to do more I think is really cool yeah it, I I agree with you <laughs> It, it does and people turn so around box and, off <laughs> and now uh, people doing turning around and doing things for the uh for the city and the community that that they're in so many times you see people that are just you know stingy they're mr scrooge and they don't do anything mm-hmm. and when you see a company that's always helping out with stuff in the community when you know that they don't have to is mm-hmm. yeah it's nice to see i this have been my favorite yeah yeah so that's something on my other podcast I do with Kenyatta that we always talk about is you need to start every interaction with a person from Mm -hmm. like the position of kindness, because you just don't know what they've gone through that day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the guy at the convenience store, that's sort of being a jerk and cuts in front of you to get a drink or whatever. Maybe his mom died that morning. You don't know. (laughs) Now, after you get to know somebody, if they're a dick, you don't have to hang out (laughs) with them. Right. Right. (laughs) But at the beginning, at least start with kindness. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Like, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, and I think if everybody did that, it'd be a, a much better world. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're trying to do. One is just to show that there is still some good in the world, but then also, like, like I said, giving resources and helping organizations and businesses that are trying to do some good, so. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to close with this, but it ties in. So a lot of big, big, like mega churches, you know, will put all this resources and effort into having a program for kids Sunday school or whatever the thing is. Well, smaller churches that, you know, have a population of less than a hundred people, they can't necessarily afford to do that. Larger Mm -hmm. churches sell that information to smaller churches. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times the amount of money that they charge for that to these small churches is insane. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things about a previous church that I went to, it was a large, it was a mega church, but they give that to small churches. Any of oh, the materials cool. they put out, mm-hmm. they just let small churches use it. They have a thing. Hey, we're a church. You fill the thing out. Oh, mm-hmm. we have these, you know, 10 things. Which one do you want? Here's all the stuff for it. Mm-hmm. You know, their organization I, or brand will last because of that generosity. Like I said, like, yeah, the ones that are being generous with what they have will do better long term yeah yeah so obviously you were running that church at that time no (laughs) (laughs) no i'm too shy for that kind of stuff (laughs) right i prefer being behind the scenes with all this kind of stuff that has been hard i think with being a business owner is like yeah you you get pushed up to the front a lot and i'm like nope I'm, I'm back here making everyone else look good. Yeah. Yeah. And in the group we were in, it was always, well, you need to be the one to go on TV. And I'm like, for like the festival. And I'm like, really, do you want me to do it? (laughs) So I would, and I'm on the morning shows and they're talking to me. And every time I'm like, don't drop an F-bomb, don't drop an F-bomb, don't drop an F-bomb. Don't drop it. I've gotten this whole podcast about <laughs> cursing and I'm like, yes, I deserve like drink. Would you like to get it out of the way? This is a cursing encouraged podcast. So. Oh, okay. I should have, <laughs> I should have asked that in the beginning. 
if you want to just go ahead and just randomly Tourette style drop one, you know. I don't want to scare your listeners too. Much. Okay. <laughs> don't want to scar them for the next episode. It'll be fine. But no. Um, well, as I told you beforehand, we went way past the hour mark. Sorry. You know what? I, I've come to expect that. So. <laughs> I did one and it stopped at like 40 minutes. And I was like, what, what, what do I do? I, I, don't, I don't know what to do, but you know. <laughs> hey, you can cut out some of my dumb rants and stuff. Up yeah. <laughs> nah. No, it'll be fine. But I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, talking about it. If you, would you like to plug your, uh, your stuff before we back off? Where can people go to find your marketing you can visit atlasokc.com i realized recently people can't spell atlas so it's a-t-l-a-s not with an i (laughs) (laughs) yeah atlasokc.com um on social media we're on everything it's just atlas okc so across the board all the same so that that makes it easy right it's the same thing yeah 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 Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I appreciate you coming on. I'll have to have, uh, we'll have to have Kirk on to see if he's as enthusiastic talking about teeth as you are talking about marketing. Yeah. I already (laughs) forewarned him. I was like, Hey, what are you asking? Yeah. And he's like, okay. (laughs) But anyway, I appreciate you coming on and I'm going to go ahead and end the show. So remember folks, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button. This podcast is a production of Hyper Focused Media.